This is the Bates Bobcast, our weekly podcast that takes a look at the week that was in Bates Athletics. My name is Aaron Morse, and this week we're celebrating Senior Week on the Bobcast with a number of first-time guests. Also, a pair of women's track and field athletes are headed to NCAAs. All that and more coming up on the Bates Bobcast. Bates women's track and field runners junior Chrissy Amen and senior captain Jill Richardson are headed to Rochester, New York for the 2023 NCAA Outdoor Championships. Amen is competing in the 1500 meters on Thursday, and if she makes the top 12, she would compete in the finals on Saturday. Meanwhile, Richardson, who recorded the best 5K of her career Thursday at the MIT qualifying meet, is running it back Saturday night on the biggest stage. They joined the Bobcast this week to preview nationals. Well, Jill, let's start with you because the MIT final qualifier, you were kind of on paper on the outside looking in, entering it, and then all you did was break 17 minutes, new personal record, up there in the Bates all-time top 10. I mean, take us through the race and uh, what your mentality was kind of entering it, knowing that you really had to turn in a big performance, and you did. Yeah, it was definitely a little, like, nerve-wracking, but it was, like, pretty nice weather, and we had a pacer, and then me and a couple of the MIT girls were just able to, like, switch the lead, which really helped just... Um, keep us on the right pace and so yeah it was a fun one and uh, what was like, kind of your reaction what was the reaction from your coaches when you crossed the finish line there first it was, <laughs> yeah it was really exciting um definitely was like my parents were right there at the finish line too so I was just like hugging them it was very exciting and Chrissy you kind of already knew you were in so you didn't have to race at MIT um what was your reaction to find out Jill was going to be coming to nationals with you Well, I already knew it was going to happen. I had been predicting this all season when at Providence she ran a 75-second last lap, so I knew it was coming. It was just kind of like, when is it going to happen? And then I knew, like, the weather was going to be perfect and, like, they had a pacer, so I was like, you know, I wasn't surprised at all. But I was um, refreshing the live results intensely because my coach, like, two days before the final qualifier meets called me and was like just so you know you're like number 18 right now or I think I was 16 and he was like and there's six girls who are running at these final qualifying meets that could potentially (laughs) beat you and I was like awesome so then that night I was just sitting there with like three pages open of like different meet results just like refreshing waiting to see whether I was in or not so that was a little stressful but I knew Jill was in so (laughs) that's interesting so I thought you probably knew you were in but the exact opposite you were nervous also yeah yeah I mean there was no one at the MIT meet that would have been fast enough for me to race with so it wasn't like I could go and compete so I was kind of just like well Just the way she goes if I don't make it, you know? <laughs> That's interesting. So you mentioned, yeah, your competition really matters in terms of the speed you produce. Take us through why that, how that works, sort of. Well, I mean, I know there are some runners who are better than me at, like, racing alone. Like, Jill usually is pretty good about it. I think maybe it's easier in a race like the 5K. But for me, if I don't have someone in front of me, like, I'm going to be jogging. So <laughs> <laughs> I can't, I'm really competitive. So I need someone there to, you know get me going. <laughs> well, Jill, um, you mentioned you had a pacer in the 5K. How does that help you? Yeah, well, it was um, just like before we talked about like, okay, she was going to go like 81s, which would basically, we knew that would like get me under the, 
the qualifying mark. So it's definitely just like easier to have somebody right in front of you. You can just kind of like relax your mind knowing that they're hopefully going to keep on the same, on the right pace. And so after you crossed the finish line and, and, and celebrated the victory and kind of saw your time, did you go and check the live stats just like Chrissy was? Yes. We were, uh, me and Coach Feldman, like, we went to a taco place after, and Coach Feldman was like, all right, we got to, like, be looking on the live stream. Chrissy's kind of, you know, getting close to the edge there. So we were definitely really excited when you could see it coming in that she was still going to be okay. And Chrissy, I asked you about this off air, but I mean, you're like, I think she's like 13th or something, but the eighth spot, which is like all America is like barely ahead of you. Like it's so close, isn't it? Yeah, it's really close. And I also um, foolishly assume that like the same rules for the, I don't know if this is like the 800 apply to the um, 1500. I thought only eight people made finals. And then yesterday my coach was like, no, 12 people make uh-huh. it. And I was like, wow. Well, now I'm a little close to actually, like, you know, it's a little nerve-wracking knowing that it's, like, one second between you and everyone else. But it's also kind of comforting because it's, like, oh, it's just, like, 0.25 seconds per 400 that I'd have to take off to, like, get with them. So, I don't know. It's a blessing and a curse, I guess. Yeah, you touched on that. So, you're running, obviously, in the prelims on uh, Thursday. And then, Jill, you don't run until, like, Saturday evening. Like, you have yeah. a long wait. So how are, you, how are you going to kind of address your long wait of, I guess, watching a lot of track, right? <laughs> yeah. And we have, like, we have some little trips planned. Like oh, okay. We're going to a castle or something. <laughs> Me and Chrissy are really intrigued by that. But, um, yeah, I'm super excited for Chrissy's prelims. Like, I don't know if she hears me during when she's racing, but I go crazy. (laughs) I'm, like, the loudest person there. But, yeah, I'm really excited for that. And then I think 5K is, like, pretty much the last event. So, yep, should be fun. Excellent. And then, Chrissy, Jill touched on it, but you're looking at some tourist options there for maybe the day off? Yeah, I heard we're going to a castle, and I didn't even realize, like, the United States had those, to be honest. Like, <laughs> I I don't know what kind of castle we're looking at, but I'm pretty excited to find out. I think it could be educational. He wants to bring me to a museum, and I don't really have the attention span for that kind of activity. But, you know, if I'm going to be forced, I guess I can, you know, <laughs> sit through, like, maybe 15 minutes quick tour maybe we can jog <laughs> through or something we'll shake out yeah we'll shake out in the museum excellent last time we had Chrissy on she mentioned like indoor was kind of a wash for her and so she had kind of reset for outdoor jill how proud of you this uh, junior doing so well i've been waiting on it for <laughs> real i knew she was gonna pop up girl has been grinding her mileage and i feel like she's just really been taking it to the next level and i'm so proud of her and then this being your final meet uh, at bates what are your kind of your thoughts kind of going in yeah, I mean, I don't know. It feels kind of surreal, like, because every time before it's just like, okay, like, on to the next afterwards. But, I mean, this really is it. So, <laughs> but what a way to end. Yeah, is there going to be a pacer at Nationals or how's that? No. No, okay. No. So how's that changed things for you? Well, um, I mean, there's so much good competition. And right. Basically, I'll just be trying to hang on to somebody and uh, that'll pretty much, like, as long as I'm hanging on to somebody that's, like, seated better than me, hopefully I'll get a really good PR. And what people don't realize, and Chrissy, we were talking about this off-air also, is that the competition is kind of different than it used to be for a lot of sports, but especially it seems like track and field. You're going up against people who are, what, 24, 25 years old? Is that right, Chrissy? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the girl in Jill's race, yeah, I oh mean, my God. She, I'm pretty sure she's married, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, 
I mean, not that you can't be young and married, <laughs> but she, I think she is like a sixth year maybe. Yeah. And, but it's interesting. I feel like it, it's nice because it really, like, we don't have to worry about it being like a slow race or anything. Yeah. You know, we have people who are really experienced who we can expect to take it out and it'll be like a really honest race. So that'll be kind of nice. And Joey, obviously you went to Nationals indoor for the 3K. What did you learn from that experience, you know, for track and field, your first trip to Nationals and track, you're going to apply this time around to outdoor or is there no real connection perhaps? I would say like, I remember at like the beginning of the 3K, at one point I was like in third place or something. I went out a little hot there. (laughs) So, but then, so I think it's just like having, um, being like okay with just kind of like sticking more towards the back maybe because I I feel like the, the pace will eventually heat up. So, yeah. Great. Well, any other final thoughts either of you wanted to share about going to Nationals? Chrissy, this being your first trip, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm just really excited to have my little girls weekend with Jill. I think it's going to be really fun, and I'm excited for us to represent our school, you know? Yep. Same sentiments here. There you go. Chrissy Amon, Jill Richardson competing at the NCAA Track and Field Championships Thursday and Saturday there in Rochester, New York. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you. The men's track and field season has concluded, but not before sophomore Kevin O'Connor continued his strong season with a personal record time of 11.01 seconds in the 100-meter dash at the MIT final qualifier. Good for a spot on the Bates' top 10 all-time performance list in the event. He is currently in Washington, D.C. for an internship on Capitol Hill, but he took the time to join the Bobcast via Zoom. Got male Bobcat of the Week, Kevin O'Connor with us here on the Bobcast, talking some men's track and field. But before we talk about the MIT meet, tell us about your internship. You're currently in Washington, D.C., uh, getting a head start on your summer internship. Uh, how's it going so far? Good. You know, um, it was quite the turnaround, uh, given that we just had our meet on Thursday. So got back from Bates on Thursday, had a fun day with my friends on Friday, left Saturday morning, uh, then had a fun day with my family on Saturday, and then Sunday... Uh, flew in and then uh, today was my first day and it was a uh, quite the uh, quite the first day you know uh, uh, just getting introduced to um, people around the office just um, some basic tasks I'll be doing and um, and I got uh, a pretty extensive tour of the Capitol building uh, given that's uh, one of the responsibilities I have to do um, and I got a really good view um, off the rotunda um, and it, which is like this pretty high point on the Capitol um, and it was re- a really good first day. Great so it's your interest on Capitol Hill what's the nature of it kind of? Um, I'm just a staffer for a congressman, a representative Ben Klein. Uh, he's a Bates alum, and uh, it's uh, very nice to be working for him. And you'll be giving tours, is that what you said? Yeah, that's one of the things I have to do. <laughs> um, so, like, some pretty uh, menial stuff. So, like, uh, it'll be between uh, – I'll be, like, giving tours to, like, uh, basic people in the district that uh, request for tours, picking up phone calls uh, for constituents, and then also, like, uh, doing research uh, for, like, basic, uh, like, legislative aides around the office. So uh, a bunch of different tasks. Terrific. Well, I mean, let's go back to the MIT meet. Uh, that, as you mentioned, it was just the other day on Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um, personal record for you in the 100 meters. And you did it twice. Same exact time, right? Prelim and finals. So take us through the races there. Yeah. So uh, first, I just want to give a quick shout out. Like Coach Johnson, uh, he let me or gave me the opportunity to run this weekend. And I was very appreciative of it because I personally didn't get my qualifiers and uh, for New England's due to a couple like unlucky weeks of wind, we ran to a headwind three weeks in a row. So I wasn't able to put like my best times out there. And Coach Johnson could have been like, you know, like, uh, you know, like, KO, you're done for the year. You're going to, we're going to call it here. Uh, but he let me run one last time. And um, the it was my first real like straight up hundred in a couple weeks. So I think that first one was kind of like a little bit of a rust buster. 
um, because there's a little more wind on it. It was like about 2.0 wind. Uh, it was still legal. I think it was 1.9 actually. Um, and then the second one was 1.0 wind. Uh, so the second one was a little more impressive. But um, again, it's like weird. I did the same thing at Bowdoin. I ran 708 twice. Uh, it's just like a weird thing, I guess, that happens with me. Great. And then we were talking with um, Derek the other day on the Bobcast about how going from the 60 to 100, he was a little surprised at how significantly different it was. What's the transition like for you? I mean, you 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 had had an outdoor season before, unlike him, but what's that transition like from your perspective? Yeah, so, I mean, Derek has had an incredible year. Like, he's been, like, so incredible to watch uh, all the accomplishments that he's had between breaking the 60 record to bringing it down to 692, which is an absolutely insane number. I don't think people realize it because it's not, like, as renowned as the 100. Um, and then just coming out in the 100, kind of opening up with some slower times, and then coming out down to 1074, which is a crazy time, like an absolutely ridiculous time, especially – after like people are like, you know, Derek's good the 60, like we'll see how he's in the hundred. Ten seventy four is crazy. Um, but for me and Derek, um, I'd say we're we are still a little bit stronger in the 60. Um, if you do like the IAAF, which is like the, the commissioning body of track and field, and you look at our like kind of score between the two, and we're I say we're a little bit stronger in the 60, given uh we're bigger guys, like it's harder for us to uh, keep our speed over a longer time because we weigh more and we can produce force in like a shorter amount of time than people. Um, but it's definitely, I'd say the main challenge with it is, um, being able to keep speed endurance over the course of hundred meters, because, uh, most sprinters will top around out around like 50, 60 meters and then being able like who could hold on to it or continue to get faster, I think is what makes and breaks people in the hundred. Great. And so what, what were kind of your goals in your mind going into Thursday's meet? Did you achieve them? Are you still looking? I'm, obviously, you're probably still looking to break 11 seconds uh, next yeah. time, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm fortunate. Uh, we'll see what uh, Derek does um, in terms of his potential fifth year. Um, but we don't know what he's going to do yet. Uh, but like that could have been his last meet. And then obviously Colby, another guy who's been like uh, like two like mentor figures for me not only like on the track but like in the classroom like just being a person like two great guys cannot ask to be like under under the wing of like two amazing guys and um I was kind of looking for that sub 11 mark that was kind of my goal going in uh because I knew I had it in me but um like like you can't control the conditions and 1101 I'm definitely very happy with that but um like you said, I have two more years left, so like I'm not really, and I had a I had a good season, so I'm not really too hung up about anything. Right, and then um, so you have the internship this summer. How are you going to stay in track shape though while you're interning there on Capitol Hill? Run run up and down the hill a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Um, well, to, to start, it's been a lot of walking, uh, yeah. a lot of walking, uh, even more than updates, and that's like a college campus, so like a main tenant of it is walking, um, but. I'd say, so this first week I'm going to take is like a deload, uh, like week to like kind of let my body recover. Um, and then I'm going to, I'm at uh, George Washington university. So, um, I'll be using their training facilities. Um, and coach Johnson, like we, we saw like the, this over this past season specifically, like, uh, what his training can do if you commit to it, uh, just seeing like all of us drop from around seven, 10 to 12 to seven O's to six, nine, and then uh, me dropping from like 11, three, one legal to 11 flat. And then Derek couldn't even do the the um, outdoor season. And he was able to run 10, seven. And like, we just got to trust in our coach Johnson's training. And um, I know like some younger guys on the team, like uh, Reuben Fry, uh, once he gets healthy, Evan McDowell, 
um, Tyler Stearns, um, a lot of the sprinters on our team that are on the young coming up, like uh, they've learned from, or we've all learned from Colby and Derek about how, uh, what work ethic it takes to be successful and drop times. And I think these guys and I are going to try and take it into the future and take bait sprints to not only this level, but hopefully further levels. I was going to say with Curtis Johnson being the head coach, having a sprinting background himself, I mean, this seems to be a new era sort of for track and field with more of an emphasis perhaps on the sprints than it may be in years past. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's really cool to be on such a good sprint team because um, not to try and sound like a jerk, but I mean, our sprint team is more of a division one type level. We are, we are really good. And uh, I credit that to coach Johnson and our sprint crews really hard work and dedication and, uh, we do really work hard day in and day out. And we trust in coach and coach really does give us uh, good training programs. And uh, like, it's not even that coach is a good coach, but like it's, it, that's true. But like, I feel like track and sp- sprinting specifically, you're focused on such little aspects of time and coach Johnson's really good at keeping people, their head level, you know, you have a good, you have a good week. Listen, you had a good week, but we need to keep moving forward. And you should uh, be happy about that, but keep moving forward. You have a bad week. Listen, it was a bad week or a bad couple of weeks. Listen, it's a bad week. You got to keep moving forward. Like Coach Johnson is very good at keeping us level-headed, uh, bringing us up when we need to, and bringing us a little bit down back to earth when we need to. So a uh, very good coach to have. And uh, like like you said, I don't think it's a coincidence that the sprints have taken off in the past two years, I'd say. Excellent. Well, any other thoughts you wanted to share on maybe the season as a whole or the last meet you had there on Thursday we haven't got to talk about? Yeah, I mean, just the main thing is, um, like, Derek and Colby, like, I'm very thankful for their leadership, and um, I hope to, hope like, me and the other sprinters, uh, forgot to mention Aiden Gideon, hope too. he's a very good sprinter, uh, coming from basketball as well, uh, hope to take uh, the Bates sprints um, into the next era, and uh, we'll see what happens, because a lot of firsts this year, and hopefully we continue it and get some more seconds and thirds. Sounds good. Kevin O'Connor, our male Bobcat of the Week, live from Capitol Hill. Not really live, but re- recording here <laughs> from Capitol Hill on the Bobcast. Thanks so much for joining us here. Thank you so much, Aaron. With it being Senior Week at Bates, we got a chance to catch up with a number of seniors who excelled in both their sport and in the classroom as Senior Scholar Award winners. You maintained a GPA of at least 3.5 and played a varsity sport all four years. You'll hear from a few of them this week, starting with men's lacrosse senior captain Malcolm Klingbeal. First time on the Bobcast, first of all, welcome. Um, Your older brother, of course, Otis Klingbeal, also went to Bates. And on your online bio, you mentioned you came to Bates because you wanted to go to college with your brother. So take us through kind of maybe that dynamic, your relationship with your brother growing up and then um, into school. Yeah, we've been best friends, I would say, our our whole lives. And uh, when he came here, I got to visit him a couple times and come watch some games. And one game in particular, Amherst. I remember watching that game and like, this is where I want to go. I want to be with him. So when he was here, that was kind of my goal. Like looking at schools, it was pretty much just like, if I can be with Otis, that's that's what I want to do. And then freshman year was was awesome with him. We got spent a lot of time together. We got to play with him uh, again. We did it in high school, which was awesome. And yeah, it was just so, so amazing to be with him again. And then my sister's here now, which is really exciting. I've got to have both of my siblings who... I love very much to uh, go to school with. It's been, yeah, so lucky to have that. It's interesting because, you know, the Klingbeals, you're all from Ohio. So it's yeah. amazing they ended up here in Maine for school, right? <laughs> I know. I I, I'm, I keep telling my coach, you got to look for more Ohio guys because uh, we, I think freshman year, we had four or five. Um, 
which I don't know if there's another Ohio lacrosse player in the NESCAC. So I was kind of hanging my hat on that. And, uh, uh, yeah, a lot of pride for Ohio, uh, Ohio against the world. And, um, yeah, we need more Ohio in the NESCAC. Well, one of the great Bates players of all time, Kyle Weber, was from Ohio. I'm I sure know. you're familiar with him. I'm yeah. very familiar with him. <laughs> a little lacrosse idol, yeah. Kyle Weber, yeah. Well, I guess, because you're a midfielder too, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so <laughs> certainly. That similar. Amherst game, he had like six goals, I think. Yeah, that's... I think that was the NCAA's, I think. Um, yeah, Matt Lastava had a huge game there. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was yeah, yeah. a great win for Bates, certainly. Yeah. But, I mean, for you, um, you're, you were a captain this year with a new head mm-hmm. coach. So how did that kind of go in terms of, you know, working with him? Because you were familiar with the program and he was new, Dan and Nino. But, obviously, you know, being a leader, what was that experience like? It was great. I forgot how much goes into running a team. I remember sitting down in our first meeting and it was a long one and we just went through so many details that I didn't think we needed to or I I hadn't thought about uh so I definitely was familiar with the program but we definitely rebuilt things uh which was really exciting and um yeah I think just it was really fun to take a step towards like a new style just a new play in lacrosse and a new culture for the team uh, which I think has been really positive. Um, and so being a part of that and being able to work with him and the other captains and the team and doing that, is, it was a really special experience. And Dan was coaching at Johns Hopkins before he came to Bates as an assistant, I believe. And so coming from a D1 lacrosse program, uh, what, what kind of energy did he bring? What kind of, you know, you mentioned the culture. What kind of, you know, if, what is he trying to establish for men's lacrosse kind of going forward? Yeah, I think uh, on a – very uh foundational level he he preaches uh servant leadership which is um like leading with putting other people before yourself at all times which i think is a really uh amazing message that he's uh pushed for us um and then just lacrosse wise he just loves it so much and he is so knowledgeable about it um so that passion and that continuous drive that it was really cool to see because he just knew a lot and I was learning a lot. There were things that I just hadn't uh, thought about lacrosse-wise that he was bringing up. And it was really just like a, a way I hadn't thought about the game. That was really cool to see. Practice was way more intense, and uh, which we needed. And yeah, it was uh, all around just a good rebuild of, uh, of where we're at, yeah. Talking with the class of 2023, you know, depending on what season you're in, your experience with COVID was was different, kind of. Mm-hmm. Spring, I thought, had the worst, right? I mean, 2020, your first year, yeah. everyone gets sent home. Yeah. And then 2021, yeah, you played a few games, right? But not yeah. really. I mean, you really only had two full seasons. So tell me how the class of 2023 from men's lacrosse perspective kind of stuck together through those first two years where you're trying to get adjusted to college in a completely unprecedented situation, right? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, we've had a really interesting time, and uh, yeah, wouldn't be my first choice, but uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no, we've we've stuck together, and uh, I think it's that group of of our class that has really uh, kept us all going because we're all best friends, and um, yeah, I wouldn't be able to do it without them because it was honestly pretty tough, uh, like just weird little seasons and. Um, one ending really abruptly, and then um, and then some some tough years after that. But 
yeah, I think I don't think any of us would have been able to do it without each other. And uh, I think there's a lot to say about that and who those who those guys are. Um, so a lot of love for them. Yeah. And then you mentioned um, your brother Otis. I mean, growing up in Ohio, did you just start playing lacrosse because he was, or how did that kind of go? Uh, my cousin Will. Okay. Uh, he's from San Francisco. He introduced Otis and I in like second grade, probably, and so I was really young. And then Otis started playing, and uh, Ohio is like a, a weird outlier in the Midwest. I'd say like there's there's a good amount of lacrosse going on, so uh, there there's a lot of people playing. So. Yeah, I guess I followed him, and uh, we had a lot of friends playing as well. So Terrific. And then uh, you're a senior, so I got I mean, senior week, so I want to ask what your post-college uh, plans are right now. That's a great question. Um, I'm probably headed back to Ohio, uh, working on the farm for the summer, I believe, and then hopefully moving to San Francisco and living with Otis, potentially, uh, and RJ uh, Sarka, who is in his class as well. Um, so hopefully be out with them uh, and looking for a job throughout the summer, I guess. So So you grew up on a farm? Yeah. Okay, so what was that experience kind of like? That was awesome. Yeah, um, yeah it's a sheep farm for my okay. entire life, and then we just sold all the sheep two years ago, and now we're doing vegetables. So last summer it was like me and uh, my good friend Helen um, just kind of figuring out, trying to uh, – she knew knows a lot about growing vegetables, so – uh, it was just me and her, her teaching me and then me trying to figure out how to sell these vegetables. So doing farmer's markets and, uh, yeah, it's, that was fun, but, uh, definitely coming in this new summer with some different expectations, hopefully growing it a little more. So we'll see you on that. Excellent. And so as a senior, you're about to be an alum, you know, looking back kind of, I mean, or actually looking forward, I should say as an alum, you know, how do you want to see the men's lacrosse team kind of develop with this, you know, new leadership and a new era sort of as you, as you watch the games from hopefully California, right? Yeah. I think there's a lot of positive stuff coming up in the future. I think we're going to be bigger and faster and stronger, just more athletic. Um, and I think we can do a lot with that. And I, I think we're going to be a lot more of a skilled team. So I think we're going to hit hard and we're going to score a lot of goals. I think there's going to be a really awesome culture switch and like putting character before all else, which I think is uh, a really amazing thing that our coach is pushing. Yeah, I think we're going to be, I think we're going to be a force in the NESCAC. They're, they're coming. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I guess any other thoughts you want to share about your time at Bates we haven't got to talk about? I think the people of Bates really make it what it is. It's a pretty fun community of caring people and just some, some really great teammates and uh, a lot of support and a lot of love and yeah, super grateful for that. Just good people here. Had some really good times. Excellent. Senior captain of the men's lacrosse team, Malcolm Klingbeal. Continuing a long line of Klingbeals that are going to be hopefully coming to Bates here. And uh, thanks yeah. so much for joining us on the Bobcats. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Patrick Bergen and Sylvia Batty were the only seniors this year for the Bates golf teams. Both of them join us this week on the Bobcast for the first time. Senior week rolls along as we catch up with the two Bates golf seniors. We've got Patrick Bergen, senior captain of the men's team, and senior Sylvia Batty of the women's team as well. Join us here on the Bobcast. And Patrick, let's start with you. As a captain this year, what was it like leading this group? Because very exciting group, and uh, you must have been really proud of what the team was able to achieve this year, right? Sure. It was uh, fantastic leading these guys. You know, I've been around a lot of them for a pretty decent amount of time. And then obviously we got two fantastic freshmen with Henry Elric. Um, and Chris John. And it was just a, a huge privilege because I've always looked up to the captains when it was Julian and Andrew and Preston and then eventually Captain Jack, one of my favorite people on the team. Um, so it was just a huge privilege to carry in their footsteps. 
Gray and Sylvia, you know, a senior on the women's team, obviously a, a young and exciting team as well. But I mean, take us back when you were, you know, looking at colleges, what made Bates the place for you and how did you get involved with the golf team? Well, I actually was a walk-on at Bates. I didn't get recruited at all, but once I applied to Bates, I kind of got into conversation with one of the coaches. Um, I think it was Coach Upham at the time, but I think he transitioned out of that role. Um, so we kind of discussed and we kind of agreed that, you know, I could try golf for the first, like, few weeks of the season, test it out. Um, and, like, during that trial time, I realized that the sense of, the sense of community is just something that I is unmatched, in my opinion. So that really drew me into the program, program and that's how I basically started. Great. And then uh, this year, what was it like to, you know, see some of the early success for like a first year like Ruby and then, you know, a lot, a lot of the players, you know, again, doing pretty well for the women's team. It seems to be really growing. Yeah, no, Ruby did awesome this year. She's fantastic. Um, I think it brings a new energy to the team that I think we're going to kind of grow uh, in the future years. So I'm really excited to see what type of recruitment we do and um, see just how the program uh, grows from there. Great. And then Patrick, you know, how many times do you estimate you've played Martindale these last four years? Oh, my God. A ridiculous amount of times. Uh, yesterday, we actually just had a little event, um, and it was pretty much called the Pro-Am. So pretty much uh, everybody on the team got to bring a friend, and we did, like, a little scramble. So, you know, whether it's, like, something like that or if we're, like, practicing for NESCACs at home, it's just it's just always a great opportunity to be out there and play a course that you love. It's my favorite course I've ever played, maybe it's just because of the memories there. I might be a little biased, but, yeah, too many times to count. So the Pro-Am, hold on. Like, that sounds interesting because, like, as a member of the team and then as someone who does doesn't golf at all or maybe has some background um you know some some people on my team like to you know bring in their like two and three handicaps which <laughs> I, I made sure to let them know but i just brought my roommate you know who's not the best but he played pretty phenomenally yesterday so it was a lot of fun great and sylvia's kind of looking back in your time you know on the team what's maybe some memorable moments with the women's team um one of the most memorable moments was during like our florida trips because that was just taught that's that was just a time where we could kind of let loose, play, enjoy each other's company. Um, I think I built, like, the best memories uh, I have of the team there. And, you know, just seeing, like, many successes of, like, my teammates, that's also just memorable moments. Like, Ruby doing fantastic her first year, I think that's something that, you know, is remarkable in my opinion. So that's just my – they're just tiny moments like that are what are memorable to me. Certainly. And then, um, Patrick, how about – same question for you, sort of memorable moments with the men's golf team. Sure. I would love to agree with Sylvia on, like, the small moments being the most sentimental. But if I'm being honest – Winning the CBB this year was yeah. huge. That, yeah. that's, that's been our goal since freshman year. Yeah. Um, we had a tough loss my freshman year, and, you know, seeing that trophy get loaded into the boat and van, I didn't really like seeing that. So <laughs> every single day now that I go to practice, I always make sure to touch a CBB trophy, and it's just a huge accomplishment for the team. Everyone played fantastic, and I know it's going to be staying in Merrill for a long time. Yeah, that term was in the fall, yes. right? And yes. uh, I know Paul had a really good one. I remember I interviewed him, I think, on the Bobcats after that week. So take us through, like, yeah, wh what was the key to victory in your mind and how, how the team performed? Sure. I honestly think it was just really stressing, you know, that, like, we're just out here and we're having fun. I remember telling uh, my team on the putting green, I don't care if you shoot 73 or 93. I just want you to make sure every shot counts and really just staying with it. And I think that everybody just grinded it out. Everyone was so in such a team aspect that they didn't want to get caught up and, oh, I hit a bad shot on this last hole. It was just let's get the lowest scores, and if we can do that, we're going to be winning every time. So. Awesome. And then, you know, Sylvia, you know, it's interesting with, with college golf, not everyone can play every week. And so what's kind of like the – competition almost within the team sometimes right I think one thing that I really appreciate about this team is that we act as a team mm -hmm. we are selfless we are competitive yet we still want to try to just do what's best for the team and do what is going to be the most beneficial for us in the future in the long run as well and Patrick I remember talking with Jack you mentioned him earlier who yes. graduated last year Jack <laughs> Howard how he he and you would have 
some competitions, but you've remained, you know, good friends nonetheless, right? Oh, our competitions, yeah, it, it was ruthless. Yeah. We, used, we used to go at it, and um, there's actually a great photo of us hanging up in Merrill right now of us when we had this playoff hole, and I remember uh-huh. the women's team came, and um, it was just to qualify. So, you know, that competition back and forth is really what's going to make you a better player. You know, you can't, you got to have a nice balance because you can't be too soft and just, you know, start getting relaxed and comfortable out there. We got to treat every single day like a tournament, but, I mean, at the end of the day, he's the, like my roommate, and I can't wait to see him once I graduate. So, it's always friendly, but we do have a lot of competition, which is great. Great. Well, speaking of graduation, uh, both of you um, maintained a GPA over 3.5 over entire four years. One of our Senior Scholar Award winners, both of you are this year. Um, how are you able to maintain that balance? Because, I mean, it's tr- it's tough, right? I mean, Martindale's not on campus. you got to go, you know, a few miles away and to practice and, and, and whatnot. Sylvia, how are you able to pull it off? A lot of time management and communication with the team. Because, yeah. you know, Sometimes, like during COVID, we didn't have access to the van, so it was hard to coordinate when we'd all be able to go to practice at the same time. But I think a key part of like why we were so successful was because we did a really good job of talking with each other, trying to plan out each other's schedules, just trying to be accommodating for what is just going to be, like I said, best for the whole team, essentially. And Patrick, how'd you do it? Uh, I really think it comes from the team just holding each other accountable. You know, like I remember people would be helping each other with homework and stuff like that. And if we're sitting in commons and someone, you know, maybe wants to stay a little bit, I make sure to tell them as captain, like, listen, hit the library because, you know, we're students (laughs) first and we're athletes second. So just Mm -hmm. really prioritizing that on the team. Great. And I guess I never, I asked Sylvia the question, but what, what drew you to Bates? Uh, Bates, honestly, I've, I love Maine. I've been coming here ever since I was a kid. My grandpa used to live in Old Orchard Beach. Mm. And I just thought it was a fantastic school as soon as I uh, stepped on campus. And the main thing I noticed was just between the other NESCACs was the sense of community. Just everybody smiling, welcoming on the team. All the seniors came to the sim room when I came and visited. It just seemed like a fantastic team and a place that welcomed me and a place I wanted to be at for the next four years. Yeah, the sim room has gotten a little bit of a makeover, right? How, how's that looking right now? I actually have yet to try it out, but I got a mini tour or like a little uh, intro to it with Maddie. So she kind of showed me the process, but it is super sweet. It looks definitely sharp. It's sharp looking. <laughs> Your thoughts on that? It's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, it tells you literally anything you can think of, like mm-hmm. spin ray, club path, club um, angle of attack. Like it has everything there for you, and you can play at St. Andrews, you know, when it's yeah. the middle of yeah. Maine and snowing and stuff. So just having that there, I think it's going to be really like an integral part of making sure this team's successful in the future. Great. Well, any other thoughts either of you want to share about your you know, time at Bates or maybe actually plans going forward also since you are seniors, right? We can start with you, Sylvia, if you want. Um, I will be attending Northeastern at one of their graduate programs for Global Studies and International Affairs. Great. What are some of your long-term goals there for that studies? Ooh, I really wanted to – I want to get into a career of foreign policy, so I'm mm-hmm. kind of just starting the track of building credentials to get to that point, so – Awesome. Well, that sounds really exciting. And Patrick, how about for you? Uh, I will be working at this place called Analysis Group. Um, It's uh, econ consulting. And I I internshiped, uh, I had an internship there this summer, and it was a lot of fun. And it was just really interesting work to me. It felt very similar to the classes I'm taking from an economics major. Um, And I also just love Boston. I can't wait to be working in the Prudential Center in a few weeks. Sounds good. Patrick Bergen and Sylvia Batty are two golf seniors. Thanks so much for joining us on the Bobcast. Thank Thank you so much, Aaron. Rounding out our senior week interviews, we chat with senior Rebecca Feist from Nordic Skiing. She's actually returning to the squad for her extra year of eligibility next January. Unfortunately, I've had a bunch of concussions. Nordic skiing, people are usually like, how do you get a concussion Nordic skiing? But it is, it is kind of dangerous. You do go downhill and you go pretty fast and you don't wear a helmet. So I actually got my first concussion in 2020, right before we got sent home for COVID. And then I've had multiple since, which have required me to take time off from school. So I'm a little behind. Um, So I have one more semester left. And because I still have skiing eligibility, I get to ski. 
which is pretty great. So tell us about, you know, the experience of being on the Norick team so far here at Bates and, uh, you know, this year being one of the leaders of the team since you were one of the uh, few upperclassmen because yeah. a young women's team, I know. Yeah, we have a super, super young women's team. I was the only senior woman, which was a really strange but also rewarding experience because watching the younger athletes grow was probably the best part about being on the team. I have just so much pride um, and so I like admire my younger teammates so much and watching them kind of go through like <laughs> what I think is the hardest circuit that I've been on ever. Like the EISA has just gotten more and more competitive year after year. I mean, when I matriculated to Bates, like my first couple seasons were nothing like this. They, this is just so much more competitive and watching like my younger teammates face those challenges head on and overcome them has been really amazing to see. Excellent. Were there any particular moments that really stood out to that for you this year in terms of that type of thing? Um, this year, I think I was most proud of watching all the freshmen compete in like their first 20K. Uh, we recently introduced 20Ks into the EISA. Women never raced that distance before. It was only men. Um, and a lot of the freshmen came in having never even raced like a 15K, let alone a 20. And <laughs> watching them kind of freak out in the van before and be like, holy crap, like, I can't do this. I'm going to die. Like, I'm going to pass out. And then, of course, like, watching all of them finish and all of them, you know, try their hardest and perform their best. That's a really beautiful thing to see. Excellent. Well, take us back to when you were in high school. What led you to Bates um, initially? I think what attracted me most to Bates was the sense that I could be both like an academic, like I could work really hard on my academics, but I could also prioritize skiing. There were a lot of other schools where I interviewed with coaches and I got the sense that it was going to be like skiing first, skiing first, and I didn't want that. And the coaches here really seemed to understand that like you need to work hard in all areas of your life and they all complement each other. Um, and then the other thing that really drew me here was the sense of like team that they had like it was very much emphasis on team first like the performance of the team is more important than the performance of the individual and all the goals were kind of like team goals um, and I just I really appreciate that because I think that ends up being the most important thing when you graduate like your team experience. Excellent. What's it been like having you know James Upham take over as the head coach? Obviously, you came here. Becky Woods was the head coach. She ended up going to Montana to pursue different opportunities. But now James, who'd been in the program already as a coach, now leading you away. What's that been like? Um, it's definitely been a little weird, <laughs> <laughs> but like weird in the best way. Mm. Nordic is such a like dynamic sport that's undergone so many changes in the past like 10, 15 years. And James is really on the cutting edge of like new training, new science, like new optimization. And it's been really cool to watch him kind of like breathe new life into the program um, and to introduce like some new concepts. It's definitely been like a little bit of a learning curve, like with any big transition. Mm. But I'm so grateful to have James, especially because he was here before and we all like really trust him and feel supported by him. Terrific. You mentioned all these dramatic changes with Nordic. I'm not an expert by any means, so I'm just curious, what's been the biggest change through the years? I think the biggest change would just be that the U.S. didn't used to be a major player, mm -hmm. like, on the international stage. And 
they've gotten, like our program as a country has gotten a lot better. And with that, the demands of training for like everyone have gotten better. So like even down to like the BKL level, like the younger kids. So it's just been more of like, okay, this is how the Norwegians train or this is how the Swedes train. Um, And like for the first time, there's kind of this sense in the Nordic community that like we can be just as good as these other teams. Like we can win medals. We can like show up at the Olympics and actually do well. And it's just a whole new caliber of like training and equipment and kind of expectations. Terrific. So why Nordic skiing for you growing up? I mean, because obviously a lot of people do alpine, but you ended up doing Nordic. Why? Um, So I started skiing before, like, I don't even remember learning to ski. Like, Mm. I learned to ski the same time I was learning to walk. Uh, My dad skied for the German national team in his youth. (laughs) Um, And so naturally, he introduced me and my siblings to the sport very young. Um, And I've kind of just always always loved it. It's always been my way to like get outside and clear my head and, you know, sometimes to be alone and sometimes to be with teammates. And like, that's my, that's my meditation. That's like my moment of Zen. Like, I don't know what I would do without having kind of that time, like outside with the fresh air, moving your body. It's where I feel, I think most like myself. Great. Well, any other thoughts you wanted to share about your your time at Bates uh, on the Nordic team or perhaps in the classroom as well, what you've learned there that we haven't got to talk about? I guess just that I think being part of a team sport has been such an integral experience to my time at Bates. And I think it enriches like a student's time in such invaluable ways that just cannot be like overstated. And I guess I would encourage anyone who's thinking about doing a sport in college to definitely go ahead and do it because you will have experiences that you will remember for the rest of your life. And that will really shape who you are as a person. Outstanding. Well, Rebecca, thank you so much for joining us on the Bobcast this week here on Senior Week. And we will see you next winter. Thank you. Next time on the Bates Bobcast. We'll recap the NCAA Rowing and Track and Field Championships as the Bobcats compete for national titles and All-America honors. Check out GoBatesBobcats.com to follow the action in real time. And we'll talk to you next time on the Bates Bobcast. Bates! Bates!